0: Chasing Cosby contains descriptions of violence, sexual content, and language that is not suitable for every audience. Please be advised. I first heard
1: about Andrea Constance's allegations against Bill Cosby when I was standing in my
0: kitchen, ready to go for the start of my day. That's Tamara Green. She's 58 and living in a beach house in Ventura, California, with a stunning view of the Pacific when she first hears the news about Cosby. It's January 2005. I heard a news flash that said that Bill Cosby
1: had been accused of drugging and sexually assaulting a woman in Pennsylvania. And I thought, really? At his age, he's still doing that? I recognized the M.O. because the same thing happened to me.
0: Tamara's been a trial lawyer for the past 20 years. In 1967, she had just moved to LA from Texas. After making the long-haul drive in her yellow Chevy Nomad, she was eating at a diner on Sunset Boulevard called Tiny Nailers. A guy walked up to me and said, can I be
1: your agent? We're shooting Coca-Cola commercial tomorrow in Malibu. Can you be there? And I said, where's Malibu? And he said, just stay on Sunset till you get to the beach and we'll be there. And I said, great. And
0: I went, and that's how I got my first Coca-Cola commercial. So I thought, this is good. That one commercial leads to many modeling gigs for Tamara, including being cast in ads for Pontiac and Maybelline. One day, Tamara's doctor, a guy named Leroy Amar, introduces her to his friend, Bill Cosby. Amar is a gynecologist for many of the Playboy bunnies in L.A. Cosby would later say in a deposition that Amar prescribed him quaaludes for back pain. When they meet, Tamara and Cosby talk. And Tamara mentions that while she likes modeling, it's singing she's most passionate about. Cosby offers to help further her singing career and invites her to audition for him. He was going to take me to Tetragamathon, which was the studio
1: that recorded his comedy albums. But before that, he said, I have to pick up something from my house. And we drove over to Beverly Hills. I sort of stood at the front door and he said, no, come on in. I said, no, I'll wait. He said, no, you can come in. Would you like a glass of wine or something? I said, no, 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 because I was anxious to get to the studio, see? So he came back out, and we went to Tetragamathon, and there was nobody there. There were stools and mic stands and music stands and stuff, but the place was deserted. He went back into the booth and came out with a glass of wine. And he said, Okay, you sing into this mic. I'll never forget I was singing Crimea River. And he
0: said, Sing that and drink this wine. Tamara doesn't drink the wine Cosby offers her that night. And after she finishes singing Crimea River, nothing much happens. Tamara heads home. But when she mentions the evening studio visit to Leroy Amar, he's not pleased. I
1: somehow ended up back home, and I told Amar about it. I was very excited. And he said, what?
0: I told you not to be alone with him. From the Los Angeles Times, I'm Nikki Wisensee egan and this is Chasing Cosby. Episode 2, Never Be Alone With Him. We ended our last episode with Andrea Constand's sexual assault allegations against Bill Cosby going public. The Montgomery County D.A. is trying to decide whether there's enough evidence to bring criminal charges against Cosby. And on the other side of the country, in California, Tamara Green is hearing this and thinking it sounds eerily familiar. When Tamara meets Cosby around 1970, he's won three Emmys for his role on the TV show I Spy. He's about to record an album called Bill Cosby Talks to Kids About
2: Drugs. If we don't feel like staying up, we go to sleep. If we don't feel like sleeping, we stay awake. But certainly without uppers and downers. Say
0: no
3: to bills.
0: Cosby and Dr. Amar want to open a private club called The Bayou, and they offer Tamara a job selling memberships. Tamara takes the job. One day, she's feeling under the weather and wants to let Amar know she's heading home. Tamara thinks she might reach him at Cafe Figaro, a West Hollywood hotspot where Amar likes to hang out. Cosby's one of the co-owners of the restaurant. She calls Cafe Figaro and Cosby picks up the phone. Instead of saying he'll pass on the message to Amar, Cosby invites Tamara to join him. Have some lunch at the restaurant.
1: Maybe you'll feel better. And I thought, you know, it's something my mother might say to me.
0: And I thought, well, all right. And I went over there. Tamara finds Cosby sitting at a table with friends. Actress Cicely Tyson, who'd appeared in *I spy, is there. Undeterred by all this stardom, Tamara tells Cosby,
1: I'm sick, I got to go home. And he said, do you think cold medicine would help? And I thought, you know, why not? I'm in public at lunchtime daylight with this major celebrity this beloved celebrity his friends i it never occurred to me to question it and so he disappears into the back and then he comes out again with these two capsules in his hand and he says here you go and i said great swallowed him down shortly thereafter i was just starting to melt you know i felt like i was going to end up face down in my food I heard him say, well, she must have been sicker than we thought, and I'll take her home, and it'll be fine.
0: After taking the pills, Tamara remembers losing control of her body. She doesn't object when Cosby offers to drive her home.
1: He said, let's put you to bed and start peeling me out of my clothes. When I saw him start to take off his clothes, I wondered to myself in the tiny voice somewhere in the back of my head, how does him taking off his clothes, help me. And I just started to fight with him and holler and I told him, I said, you better kill me because I will never, never
0: give up tracking you for this. Tamara doesn't remember everything from this day, but one moment is crystal clear. She remembers having the impulse to break her bedroom window so someone, anyone, would come and save her from Cosby. Tamara picks up the thing closest to her, a heavy lamp, and hurls it at the bedroom window. The lamp cracks the glass, but doesn't break the pane. So Cosby continues to pin her down.
1: And then he was on me and in me and over me, and I passed out. When I woke up again, it was the middle of the night. I walked out in my living room, and there were two $100 bills on the coffee
0: table, and I just lost it. Tamara somehow gets stressed, staggers down the steps, and flags down a car to take her to Cafe Figaro. She wants to confront Cosby, but he's gone by the time she gets there. Tamara tries to drive home, but is too wobbly to get far. So she sleeps it off at an all-night club. Afterward, Tamara isn't sure how to make sense of what happened, but she has more pressing things to deal with. Her 16-year-old brother is very ill, dying in fact, from cystic fibrosis. Tamara drives to the hospital to see him and learns her brother has just had a very famous visitor.
1: Bill Cosby had come to the terminal children's ward, and my brother had a new portable radio. And my mother said, oh, isn't he wonderful? And I said, no, mother, he's a bad man. But there was nothing I could say that was appropriate to say to either him or any of the other children or
0: my mother. Her brother dies a year later. When Tamara next runs into Cosby, she says, I'm not going to make a fuss about this, but I'm going to tell everyone I know what you did to me for the rest of my natural life, which is exactly what Tamara does. But she doesn't tell any authority about Cosby until Andrea Constange shares her story. I had a sense of satisfaction
1: thinking, well, now they'll get him. Now somebody's gonna get him.
0: When Tamara contacted me in 2005 and told me this story, I was stunned. There were now two women saying Cosby did this to them. It's one of those moments as a reporter you know you'll remember for the rest of your life. I do a background check on Tamara and confirm that she told the details of her story to her cousin, close friend, and ex-husband years before. I also reach out to Cosby for comment. His lawyer tells me Cosby doesn't recognize Tamara's name and that this incident never happened. In the years since, Cosby's maintained this position, and when I reached out to him recently, his spokesman declined to comment on this podcast. As we prepare to run Tamara's story in the Philadelphia Daily News back in 2005— Cosby's lawyers threatened to sue, but that doesn't stop us. When it's published, the headline on the cover of the paper reads, My Cosby Story.
1: When I got a copy of the Philadelphia Daily News and saw the whole front page was my face, I can tell you it gave me a start. The phone began to ring off of the hook, and I did give permissions for people to reach me because, you know, in for a penny, in for a pound. Whoever asked me for an interview during that period of time, I
0: gave them an interview. Here's Tamara on The Greta Van Susteren Show
4: from Dayton, Ohio sent an email um, tomorrow. Maybe you can maybe you can answer this for us. It says
5: Greta, Tamara Green sounds credible, but please ask her how she could grab a lamp to throw if her motor skills were so impaired. How do you answer that tomorrow?
1: You put your arm out and you grab the first thing that you can reach because that's the only thing you can do.
0: The following morning, tomorrow's interview with Matt Lauer airs on the Today Show. Is one of America's most respected entertainers and philanthropists hiding a dark secret, or is he a convenient target in a game of he said, she said?
1: I had an interview with Matt Lauer, who was very imperious about the whole thing.
0: On Wednesday, I talked to Green and asked her
2: why she waited 30 years to come forward. Why didn't you call the police after the medication wore off?
1: Well, you know, because uh, first of all, I was very ill. The reason I took the med- medication is because I had some vile flu. Well, what and I about was a week sick. later?
0: What about days later? Sure.
1: Well, let me tell you the thing is, and I understand this about the current victim the first thing you feel is stupid. And then you feel that no one will believe you. This is the great Bill Cosby. I know what happened, and he knows what happened. And if I am the only other victim besides the present victim,
0: that's too, too many. Then, that evening, she is on the Abrams Report on MSNBC.
1: You know, women did not just go running off to the police station when they were wide eyed little mobbed. Right, fair enough, but you you know, it has know, been stars. But it's stars. been 30
0: years. I mean, you've had
4: 30 years of opportunity since then, right, to, to come mm-hmm. forward.
1: I wouldn't say so. I mean, the girl who's being charged in Philadelphia waited 11 months and everybody's sticking up their nose saying that she waited too long. Everybody has an idea about how you're supposed to react, what you're supposed to do, what you woulda, coulda, or shoulda done. But they've never been there. They haven't
0: been molested. They don't know. Next up, tomorrow's on the big story on Fox News.
4: I want to read a statement, if I could. This is from Bill Cosby's lawyer responding to the allegations. It says, quote, Miss Green is peddling a highly defamatory fictional story about something she claims occurred with Mr. Cosby three decades ago. He further says her claims are false, fabricated, and defamatory. Mr. Cosby denies her assertions. What do you say to
1: that? Well, what do you expect him to say?
0: Tamara defends her story again and again.
4: Now, Tamara, since you've come forward, you've taken
1: a lot of heat, um, and some things in your background have come out of DUI and some other things with the the Bar Association. You know, I expected that. You know, my, my life is not perfect,
0: but my life is pretty clean. Victims are always blamed. Dr. Barbara Ziv is a forensic psychiatrist in Pennsylvania. They're blamed for their appearance, for their behavior. They're blamed for their subsequent
1: behavior. They're blamed for their behavior prior to the
0: sexual assault, which is a powerful disincentive for anybody to come forward with a sexual
2: assault claim.
0: Tamara wasn't the only one making the rounds on news and talk shows.
2: Joining me now is Philadelphia Daily News reporter
4: Nicole Weissen-Segan. And who interviewed uh, the second woman to come forward and
2: accuse Bill Cosby.
0: I gladly took the press opportunities to defend my reporting and to defend Tamara's story. And, of course, Andrea's story.
2: The
4: Cosby team uh, is basically, you know, they seem to be chastising the paper for going forward with the story even after uh, they denied it. What do you make of that?
0: Typical um, strong-handed tactics by them. They want to try to clamp down on anything that might possibly put the, people that, the person that they work for in a bad light. I mean, there was a lot of intimidation going on, frankly. One of the issues that kept coming up was whether or not tomorrow would be allowed to testify should Cosby be charged with Andrea's sexual assault.
5: Well, I think certainly when someone comes out and, you know, makes an allegation that is a similar M.O. to the present allegation, any prosecutor's antennas go up. But make no mistake about this, as as everyone on the panel knows, this having happened 30 years ago is in no way admissible
0: in a criminal court. Uh, and I don't think that it, that's even the issue. Go ahead, Nicole. Um, I want to correct something that your your guest just said. It is possibly admissible in a Pennsylvania court, this woman's testimony today. Now, a judge would have to rule on this, but it has been ruled admissible in other cases. Are you an attorney? First of all, are you an attorney? Is she an attorney? Meanwhile, Cosby's attorney, Marty Singer, kept calling, trying to get me to back off the story and threatening to sue the Daily News. Producers told me Cosby's team was trying to keep me from appearing on TV to talk about my reporting. This is when I first learned the phrase, trading up, which is giving up one story to get a better one. I keep digging to see what I can find. And in the days and weeks ahead, I would learn the assaults reported by Tamara Green and Andrea Constand were just the tip of the iceberg. Following in the footsteps of Andrea and Tamara, 12 more women come forward with stories connecting Cosby to drugs and assault. They're willing to testify in a criminal trial and eventually become Jane Doe's 1 through 12 in a civil suit Andrea would later file against Cosby. One of them is Becky Cooper. I was drugged and assaulted by Bill Cosby in 1982. Becky is a 28-year-old massage therapist at a Tennyson Health Club in Las Vegas. That's where she meets Bill Cosby.
4: I saw him just about every day. He was very friendly, and we became friends, I thought. He was building trust. One day he came up to me and said that he had a hurt shoulder from playing tennis, so I told him that I could work on him. said, let's go out by the pool, which is a co-ed area. and, uh, And he said, no, 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 come to my show. Get a bite to eat, and then
0: you can work on me after the show. Becky's already seen Cosby's show, but thinks, okay, why not? So she watches him perform at the Las Vegas Hilton that Friday night, then goes to dinner with him at the hotel restaurant. Cosby leads Becky to his regular booth.
4: He said, I'll get you a drink. And without even ordering a drink, one of his guys came down and said it in front of me. And it was a shot of Stoly Schneier,
0: I remember, because Stoly Schneier had just gotten popular. Becky takes one sip. Cosby encourages her to drink the shot all at once. So she does.
4: And uh, he said, okay, we've got to go. And I said, we haven't eaten dinner yet. And he said, we don't have time now. And when I stood up, I could feel that something was wrong. He was assisting me to walk back to where his dressing room was and where I left my table. We got back there and he disrobed just the bottom part of me and sexually assaulted me, and I was helpless. I'm not gonna hurt you. I remember him saying that. I'm not gonna hurt you. It was just a nightmare. It didn't, it almost didn't seem like it was real. When he got done, I just, Got dressed as fast as I could. I just wanted to get out of there. I wanted to get away from him. And then he had the nerve to say to me, yeah, give me a call next time I'm in town. And I thought, you'll never see me again.
0: Cosby would later say in a deposition that he remembered playing tennis at the health club, but didn't remember Becky. Becky doesn't tell anyone about the assault for 13 years.
4: Finally, I told my husband, Bob, about Bill Cosby drugging and raping me.
2: We were just sitting around. We were watching TV. I was flipping through the channels. And I landed on Bill Cosby, who I just loved and adored.
4: He's like, oh, I love Bill Cosby. Let's watch him. And I said, I got to tell you something. He's not the nice man you think he is.
2: And I saw her tears come into her eyes, and it just so what? What's going on? And she went into how he had drugged, raped, and then just sent her out into the night. And I just, I, I melted. I, I couldn't believe this had happened to her. If I was her boyfriend back then when it happened, I'd be in jail right now because I believe I'd have done something that I didn't think I'd be morally capable of doing. Yeah. I'd be in jail because I'd have killed him. I don't know if you can put that on or I don't care. This man is a monster. In 2005, we had heard about Andrea Constant. And she says, I've got to come forward. I said, I think you should.
4: I told Bob that if anyone else ever came forward, that I would have to also. Because I don't know if he drugged most of his victims to where they couldn't remember anything but I probably remembered much more than he would have liked
0: me to. So in 2005, Becky contacts Andrea Constance's lawyers. They take down the details of her story and pass the information on to law enforcement. Here's one of Andrea's attorneys, Bibi Kivitz. In Pennsylvania, there's a rule called 404B, where you can introduce evidence
1: of other prior incidents if they show either a common plan or a common scheme or a lack of accident or mistake. You know, Tamara had come forward and then other women started to come forward. So I was hopeful that the Montgomery County District Attorney's Office would prosecute.
0: Now the number of women who allege Cosby assaulted or attempted to assault them is 14. Still, DA Bruce Castor announces he won't be pressing criminal charges against Bill Cosby. I had no corroborating evidence. Um, I couldn't do
2: a search warrant. I couldn't look for hairs, fibers, or anything that would corroborate because of the time delay.
0: Castor doesn't even call Andrea's attorneys to let them know he's dropping the case. Here's Andrea's other lawyer, Dolores Traiani. I was in my office at 6 o'clock at night by myself.
4: I got a knock at the door. It was a TV camera in my face saying, what do you think of what Bruce Castor just did? And I had no idea what he had just done.
1: Dolores called me and said, you won't believe this. Castor has declined and the press knows it. We were livid because we had not been told. Andrea had not been told. How do you do something like this? without letting the victim know in advance. Number one, to protect herself emotionally so she knows that's the decision. But number two, to protect herself from the onslaught of media. And there's a law in Pennsylvania that the victim is supposed to be apprised. I went
0: to try to find Andrea. Uh, I called her mom. No one could find Andrea. When she heard the news, Andrea's mom, Gianna Constand, was shocked.
2: Andrea wasn't home at the time, So my husband and I got the call and found out before Andrea even found out. The press had started gathering at their house and
4: I think it took a good hour and a half before anyone could locate Andrea to tell
2: her what had happened. We were very disappointed, but we didn't have anything we could do about it, of course.
0: When Gianna finally tracked down her daughter, Andrea was crushed.
2: It was my first time being involved
1: in any kind of law enforcement, and I was very disappointed that I didn't get
0: a shot at justice. I was too, but the case was closed. There wasn't much I could do except to keep on reporting. Andrea's attorneys weren't going to let this go either.
4: I went out to the press that was gathered outside my office and uh, said, this is not over, and it wasn't.
0: On March 8, 2005, Andrea's lawyers file a civil suit against Bill Cosby. In this kind of case, the accounts of the 13 other women who had reported assaults in connection with Cosby would be pivotal. Just a side note here, because sexual assault cases are so rarely prosecuted, suing an offender in civil court is often a survivor's only recourse. As the civil suit gains traction, I called Dolores and Beebe and asked them to connect me with women who are ready to tell their stories. That's how I got to know Beth Ferrier. She shared with me the gist of what she told Andrea's attorneys as Jane Doe number 5 in the civil suit. I am Beth Ferrier, and I was drugged and sexually assaulted in 1986 by Bill Cosby. When we first speak, she's a 46-year-old school teacher. She tells me everything she remembers about Cosby. I was
5: in high school in Littleton, Colorado in the mid-70s and was approached by Joe Farrell to
0: pursue modeling. Joe Farrell owned the top modeling agency in Denver, JF Images. In the 80s, Farrell has the power to make or break careers. She agrees to represent Beth and sends her to New York City for Fashion Week. It's 1984, and Beth is 24 years old. She's married with a baby boy, but still decides to make the trip from Denver to New York.
5: Next thing you know, I'm being picked up at JFK. There was never a discussion about who I was going to meet. I just knew that I was there on behalf of JF Images, and I was professionally there.
0: That week, Beth and her agency's fashion director, Denise Ferrari, are invited to Cosby's Brownstone on Manhattan's Upper East Side. I'd later learn that Cosby developed unusual relationships with modeling agencies across the country. He would approach agents and express interest in mentoring a model, to help her become an actress maybe, and agents would send models his way. Cosby likes Beth and invites her to dinner. Beth recalls Cosby seemed genuinely interested in getting to know her. He knew
5: everything. He knew about my father's cancer dying in June of 81. He knew about my being an athlete, about pursuing an
0: education. The Cosby Show has just debuted and he takes her to the Queen set where they film, then again to dinner. He wanted me to go to Madison Square Garden. I met Whoopi Goldberg. Soon it's time for Beth to return to her family in Denver. But Cosby stays in touch. And even though she's married, and Cosby, who was now 47, is married, too, they begin a secret affair. When it becomes too much for Beth, she tries to end it, but Cosby is adamant about seeing her again.
5: He said, I'm coming to Denver, and I'd like to come pick you up like usual, because he usually stayed at the Oxford, and he'd invite me, and he'd usually have a car come get me. And I said, no, this time's going to be different. I'm going to drive myself this time, because he always had so many people around him. I wanted to, at the right moment, say, this has got to stop
0: in front of these witnesses. So Beth drives herself to the turn-of-the-century nightclub where Cosby is performing. She heads backstage because that's where Cosby had arranged for them to meet.
5: And this was around five in the evening. And he met me with within five minutes. Beth, I've made you your favorite coffee. It'll help you relax. And that was all. And the next thing I remember is waking up in the back of my car with my clothes all off. He drugged my coffee and dumped me like trash in the back of my car. It took me a while to try to figure out what's going on, where have I been, get out of the car basically crawl out of the car and go to knock on the door of the back of the stage. And uh, there were two security guards there. And this must be about two in the morning. So they obviously knew I was there because there was no one else around. And they said, oh, don't worry about it. One of us will drive you home and the other one will follow and so they dropped me off at home. I still at that point couldn't figure out what had happened. So I knew where he was at the Oxford in his suite. So I got in my car and I went down to the Oxford and I went to the second floor to his suite and I knocked on the door and he opened up the door, butt naked, wouldn't turn the lights on, wouldn't talk to me. And uh, I sat there on the end of the bed for a while waiting, hoping that he would say something. The very same day, I get a call from Joe. Bill Cosby
0: forgives you. Joe Farrell is still running Beth's modeling agency in 1986. After Farrell tells Beth that Cosby forgives her, the other shoe drops. Farrell releases Beth from her modeling contract. Farrell has denied knowing about anything untoward happening between Cosby and her clients.
5: is the very point when Joe called me that I should have said help I need help help this man I think is sexually assaulting me and I didn't, have the, I didn't have the the voice
0: I regret that and I can't go back and fix it in his deposition Cosby admits to having an affair with Beth but says he doesn't remember if he drugged and sexually assaulted her I file my story about Beth. The headline reads, Another Cosby Accuser Speaks Out. The media largely ignores my story, but the following week, Bill Cosby does his first TV interview since Andrea Constance allegations went public. That conversation with ABC's Michelle Martin gets a ton of attention. Instead of asking Cosby what happened with Andrea, Martin focuses her attentions on his recent town halls. When Martin does bring up the sexual assault allegations leveled at Bill Cosby, she doesn't mention Andrea's name, just notes he's been accused of inappropriate conduct with women.
2: You had to know that some of your own personal issues would come to the fore. Um, accusations that, that have been made about you in the past involving inappropriate conduct with women.
3: If they're not true, they don't. What happens if they're not true?
0: A few months later, Andrea's lawyer Dolores Troiani conducts Cosby's deposition. It's part of the civil suit she and Bibi Kivitz have filed against Cosby. One day, he stormed out of the deposition. Another day,
4: he got sick. The deposition was very, very contentious with his lawyers interrupting constantly. He wanted to say what he wanted to say.
0: Troiani took Cosby's deposition for four days. She grilled Cosby about interactions he'd had with women who said he'd assaulted them. Troiani wasn't finished when Cosby's lawyers started talking about settling the case. Andrea and Cosby struck a deal in 2006. An undisclosed amount of money was exchanged, NDAs are signed, and suits are dismissed.
1: There was um, a sense of closure after 2006. You know, I was really trying to be at peace with things.
0: At this point, I had left the Philadelphia Daily News and was at a national publication, People Magazine. We run a piece weaving together the stories of the Cosby accusers who had come forward. But it doesn't run on the cover, and they don't tout it in their weekly press release. And I had to report a sidebar about his good deeds too. Cosby ignores the story. With that, I pack up my files and put them in a waterproof box in the basement. That's where this story stays for the next eight years. Until a comedian performs in Philadelphia and changes everything. Coming up on the next episode of Chasing Cosby.
4: I was probably fiddling with my phone and I heard him say Bill Cosby and I immediately hit record and started filming. I did think, oh, here's, here's a way to get this
2: Cosby story back into the public eye again. That statement by a virtually unknown comic in a small club was posted online, igniting a firestorm over charges that had been dormant since the 2005 lawsuit.
0: Chasing Cosby is reported and hosted by me, Nikki Wysensee-Egan. It's a Los Angeles Times podcast and a production of LA Times Studios and Herzog & Company. Our producer is Alexandra Zaslow. Our audio engineers are Angus Spottiswood, Pete Ciarto, Brett Whitlow, Mike Heflin, and Eric Montgomery. Production help from Paige Heimson, Aaron Sands, and Robert Glenn-Smith. The original music you heard in this podcast was composed by Allison Layton Brown. Our sound design is by Snap Sound. Thanks to everyone who granted us access to their archives. You can find the list at latimes.com/chasingcosby. Chasing Cosby is executive produced by Abby Fentress-Swanson for the Los Angeles Times, Mark Herzog and Andy Beckerman for Herzog and Company, and me, Nikki Wisensee Egan. If you're the victim of sexual assault or know someone who is, you can get help by calling the National Sexual Assault Hotline at 1-800-656-4673.